The girls and I have had a summer family fun bucket list this year. And the idea behind it is that most summers, in fact, just about every summer, the girls, when they get out of school and when Lisa has a break from teaching for the summer, they just kind of vegetate. And when I'm off from work, I do the same thing. We don't do much of anything as individuals or as a family. We just kind of sit around and we stare at our devices, our screens. We watch TV. We're lazy. We eat. We maybe go to the pool a few times or go to the lake with Vivian. We just don't really do much of anything at all. We haven't had any summers really that I would call really memorable. And I wanted to change that. So this summer, I came up with a family fun summer bucket list, a, a list of things for us to do together as a family so that we could remember this summer for the rest of our lives. And we've done all kinds of really great things like cookouts and, uh, you know, watermelon eating contest and trips to Charlotte to watch Top Gun 2 in the really nice theater down there. We've done all kinds of things. And as I, as the summer went along, I, I had a chance to do something that I didn't ex expect. We wanted to take a trip, but an opportunity came up to go to Wyoming. And I'd never been out to that part of the Northwest. I've been to California and and other places in the in the southwest but I had never been up there and so we gathered all our stuff together and we went to Wyoming we landed in Montana and we got a rental car there in Billings and I was too cheap I admit it I y'all know this you know that I'm I'm a little cheap when it comes to a lot of things I was too cheap to to pay for the rental insurance for Lisa to also be a driver on the policy. And so all the driving was going to be up to me, which if you ask the girls, they'll tell you. They'll, they will readily admit it to you. I am not the world's most attentive driver. My attention wanders pretty badly. I'm a good driver. I have the skills. I just start to wander off after a while. And so after, after a while, we picked the car up, first of all, and it was, it was really amazing. It was, a, it was a Toyota Camry, practically brand new. And it had all kinds of features and did things that our cars don't do. I mean, it had power seats and all these really wonderful things. While I was driving down the road going 75, 85 miles an hour like you can do out west with the speed limits being higher. And it wasn't long before I heard a beep, 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 and the car was beeping at me. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. And so I drove along, and it happened again a few minutes later. It beeped at me. And finally, I looked at the dashboard, and it showed a picture of the car in between the lanes, and it showed me being too close to one lane, the edge of it. And so I corrected and it stopped beeping what happened again and again and again and again and Lisa said pay attention pay attention pay attention I admit that I just hadn't been feeling well for quite some time I just 
I didn't really realize it because it kind of snuck up on me. But when we got to Wyoming, we hung around there for a few days. And on the last day we were there, my doctor, Dr. Boone, called me. And he said, Matt, where are you? I said, I'm in Wyoming. He said, well, you should be in a seizure. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, your lab work came back and you're extremely dangerously low on sodium. He said, you need to get to urgent care now. Don't waste any time. Don't do anything else. Just go straight to urgent care. And uh, he told me all the things that could happen if it uh, continued to stay low or got any lower. Seizures and, and brain damage and, and all kinds of terrible things. And, and suddenly it hit me like I'm that, that's he told me the symptoms of this. I'm like, that's why I've been feeling so bad for so long. And he said, whatever you do, don't drive. I thought, oh, no, we're out here in Wyoming, and I'm the only one who can drive this car. So I called the rental car place, and I said, you know, I need to put my wife on the policy. And they said, the only way you can do that is to drive into one of the agencies you know, at a location and signed the paperwork. And I looked on the map, and the nearest location to drive to for budget rental car was 99 miles away in Gillette, Wyoming. And I, I just thought to myself, I don't have any options. So we just, I just took a ton of salt and I prayed for the best. And somehow or another, God took care of us. I didn't know it, but for months I'd been driving around and living very close to being really, really sick. And I didn't even know it. And somehow or another, all that time, God took care of me. I didn't know it. I didn't ask for it. But God took care of me the whole time. I believe that God's been doing that for me my whole life. Taking care of me even when I didn't realize how much I needed it. That God has been providing grace for me. Even when I didn't have the good sense or the foreknowledge to ask for it. And I bet that if you look at your life. You can't always see it in the moment or looking forward. But if you look back, you can see God's grace and provision for you over your life. That is what today's song that we're going to talk about and read scriptures about is talking about. There was a band that played and it was active for many years they're still together but they're just don't they're not active called Cademan's Call it was my favorite band still is and they sang great songs and one of the songs they sang was Lead of Love and it talks about exactly this thing that God is there providing for us even when we don't know that we need it even when we haven't asked for it God knows exactly what we need ahead of time and provides for it. 
Now, if you were here in church, you'd be hearing Seth play the lead of love. I'd encourage you to go look it up on the internet. Search for it. Just type in Caveman's Call and Lead of Love, and you'll get to read the lyrics. But basically in it, the, the musicians are singing about God taking care of us and always providing for us. In Matthew 6, 5-8, through 8, Jesus reminds us that God does exactly that. That God provides for us and gives us exactly what we need, even without us knowing it. This is what it says in the message translation. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Now back then, most people wouldn't have had their own bedroom where they could go and pray. They would have had to find a, like a closet, a nook, somewhere quiet. But Jesus was encouraging them to, to make sure that they weren't praying as a show. That was the point of what he was saying. It, it wasn't necessarily the place you prayed, but the attitude you went into prayer with. That was what counted. And that's what he hits on next. He says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. Many Gentiles during Jesus' life would go to many gods to cover all their bases. They'd, they'd think about what they want, and they'd pray to all these different gods using these different formulas, using different rituals, just so they could get what they wanted. If one god didn't work out that way, another one maybe would, was their thinking. Jesus says, don't do that. Just simply go to God and tell God what you want, what you need. But then he hits the nail on the head at the end of our scripture for today. He said, this is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. Now in Jewish culture, a father was a loving, providing figure, someone who knew what you needed and would take care of you all your life. And that is the way God is presented, as a loving Father who always takes care of us. You could easily substitute in the imagery of a loving mother. Either way, the point is, the message is, that God takes care of us. Jesus says you can always trust God to take care of you. That you don't, you don't even have to name it off. God already knows what you need. And long before you prayed for it, 
long before you asked for it. God already knew what you need in your life. God knows what's in your heart. That's, you may not be very close to God. You might be distant at times. But God is never distant from you. God knows closely and intimately what you're going through and what you need. In the Old Testament, we read about a character, a guy named Job, who needed a lot. He'd been through some very hard times. He'd lost just about everything there was to lose. And he was angry. He was hurting. And he just wanted some answers and he wanted to know why God was allowing these things to happen. And what does God say finally at the end? After Job and all of his friends have been talking and, and holding a court session, finally at the end of the book of Job, around chapter 38 or so, God replies. And what does God say in Job 38, 36 through 41 in the NIV? God says, who gives the abyss wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? As I said, finally, after all that time, God spoke up to Job. And essentially what his answer was, Job, I can see that you're hurting. But I know what you need. And I will provide for you. I provided for all of creation, haven't I? I provided for all the wild animals, the ibis, the lions, the roosters. All of these things that are seemingly insignificant and I provided for them. Won't I provide for you? If you go back and look at what Jesus told us in Matthew and what we read here in Job, the message is clear. God's going to provide for us no matter what is going on in our lives. Even if we haven't had the good sense to ask for it, even if we didn't know what was coming down the road, God is already there. I'm not saying that you won't have to do your part. You'll have to do your part to take care of life and, and be responsible. But God's going to be there leading the way. And that is the good news. I don't know about you, but to me, that's amazing. That is utterly amazing. I can barely keep up with all the facts about one person. I forget my own stories. And yet God has all of God's children to remember, 
to know, to follow. And God doesn't forget a single one of us. God knows everything that we're going through and everything that we need. That is just mind-blowing. And you should be blown away too today. Think back over your life again and you'll realize you'll be able to see with that hindsight that God has always taken care of you. And so as you move forward, here's the good news. As you move forward, you can relax a little bit. You'll still have to do your part, as I said. We'll still have struggles. But God will be there leading the way with God's love and grace. That means for you who are, are struggling with your health, surgeries, recoveries, God is there. For our young people who are struggling with school and, and fitting in and finding love and dealing with parents and all the things that kids have to deal with, God is there for you, loving you, taking care of you. If you're trying to find ways to pay your bills and, and to get by in life, you're not alone. God is there providing for you. You can sit back a little bit, kick up your feet, and worry just a little bit less. God's lead of love is there for you. When I was in seminary, I took theology class, maybe my second or third year, and I had to learn terms and things that I had never heard growing up. I grew up a, a simple country boy um, in a little rural Methodist church, and I had never heard these theological terms. And one of the terms that we had to learn was prevenient grace. And, and prevenient grace, that word is not in our Bible. You won't find it anywhere. But it's an idea that theologians have taken from the Bible and put into a term so that we can grasp it and hold it in one place. And the idea behind prevenient grace is that God is there showing grace and love long before we ever take on any endeavor, long before we ever do anything or make any decisions. God is there with grace guiding us. Again, that is just completely amazing. That before we've decided to do anything, God is there. I read a story about a little girl, a six-year-old girl, and she was sitting down with her family for dinner. And her father asked her, he said, would you mind saying the prayer for our food tonight? She said, sure, Dad. And she started to pray, and she said, God, thank you for the pancakes. Amen. And her mother looked at her and said, why did you thank God for pancakes? We're having chicken pot pie. And the little girl said, I just wanted to see if God was paying attention. Friends, you can rest assured God is paying attention. 
God knows everything that's going on in your life. That grace that precedes all that we do, all that we think about, all that we plan, all that we need, will always be present with us. And that is the good news for today. That's the gospel. Amen.